Welcome one and all. I'm Chris Stone, the Virtual Agile Coach, and this is the Virtually Agile Podcast, the pod that shares conversations with Agile thought leaders, as well as amplifying newer voices. You'll hear about agility, virtual working, and everything in between. In today's episode, we talk about serious games and their benefit when teaching concepts. We talk about destigmatizing failure and also dandy posters, great visualizations and infographics. If you find value in listening, don't forget to follow or subscribe on your platform of choice. It really is the best way to hear about the latest episodes as they land. Enjoy the show. Fellow Agilists, welcome to the final episode in season three of the Virtually Agile podcast. We've had some great guests so far this season, including Richard Kasparowski, Becca Francis, Johanna Rothman, and Jeff Watts. Today's guest is the founder of Dandy People, an executive and enterprise Agile coach, a chief enabling officer, a title that I love, by the way. Welcome, Mia Kolmodin, to the show. Thank you so much, Chris. Nice to be here. It's a pleasure. So, Mia, for anyone who isn't familiar with you and your work, tell us a little bit more about you and your background, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, sure. Um, I started Dandy People five years ago, um, and um, I have a background from adult coaching, but before that, product development. Uh, I worked as a chief product owner, a product owner, and before that, um, graphic designer, art director, and illustrator. So that's my the, the actual... Um, training I have are within those areas and that's a very long time ago and uh, I live with my husband and my daughter which is now 19 moving out soon and two other children as well also moved out so we have a dog and a cat. Oh, wonderful <laughs> now uh, you mentioned I guess your your agile coaching and, and your use of visualizations and, I, and when I first came across Dandy People it was because of those those great posters those visualizations that help introduce people to agility and agile concepts so uh, Mia, what inspired those those visualizations well as i said that's my background so that's how i think that's how i understand things and that's also a lot how i communicate and the first one agile in the nutshell i created when i was about to train a, a class of a school here at hyper island in sweden we had a half day agility training and I thought how are they gonna remember any of these we did experience-based exercises and stuff like that so then I created one a one pager to help them just uh, keep a visualization of the actual theory and the content we were covering so that was the first thing I did and then I posted it on the blog and just I don't know a few weeks later I you know it just skyrocketed on on LinkedIn I, I thought LinkedIn had crashed or something <laughs> so so after that, that's um, how I've continued to to kind of get uh, more um, yeah, specific topics into a one pager, depending on what I have needed and uh, people around me working with me. Excellent, and I think that that's what particularly resonated with me. I love the the way it's visualized. It's it's in, infographic esque. It explains things in very simple terms. So, have you got a, a favorite of those posters? I know you mentioned the first was Agile in a nutshell. Is there a particular one that you love most? Well, so maybe that's the one I don't love the most because one of the ideas I had was if I do this, I don't have to cover it again. And it's been just coming over and over again, but then I have to do these trainings and, and use them a lot. Uh, but maybe the, I would say maybe Agile HR, I do like a lot. And uh, the product ownership version, uh, which is about the process, not the role. And also maybe the customer journey version. Um, where it helps to understand how you can align your organization around the customer journey, which is close to my heart. 
So yeah, a couple of those. Sounds good. May I share my favorite? Yeah, so my, mm -hmm. mine is the agile leadership one. And my favorite part of that is uh -huh. where it shows the traditional, I guess, traditional hierarchy, the traditional management style where you've got direction and, and how to do things and what you're doing and how you're doing it flowing downwards. But then there is the, the reversed pyramids where it flips that around and says, right, here's the, here's the outcome we're seeking. Here's the strategy we're going after. And then it positions the people doing the work as this is how we do it. And all you're doing is enabling that flow of information downwards. Here is a strategy and vision. And then back upwards comes, here's the progress. Here's the transparency. Here's the things we're stuck with. Help us out, please. And I love the way that's, that's mm. visualized. It's, it's what I use all the time to explain to, yes. to particularly leadership roles. This is how we need to position yourselves. as a, you know, this, is, this is how we need to support your team. Mm -hmm. and i just love hearing hearing stories about how people use them and how it's helped them you know uh, changing the the mindset and the behaviors so thank you for that no problem so what what's next is there a is there a topic that we're going to expect a new dandy poster on next oh it is and it's also super exciting to me because i've showed uh, my my fellow dandies uh, how, how i do them um and i've shared with them just uh uh, a template in Illustrator that I use. So uh, now we have one of the dandies that's going to um, actually release one very soon, where I've just I've been coaching a little bit, I've been helping a little bit with the graphic design eye and and some of those things. But otherwise, everything else is is his work. Um, so I'm I'm super excited about that. I'm not sure I'm going to tell you what it is. <laughs> it might come before summer. It might come after summer. But it has something to do with uh, architecture, I could say. <laughs> okay, so there's a new one coming for people to look yeah. out for. Excellent. Look out for that focus. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. Another topic I'm really keen to speak with you about, because we have, again, a similar ethos about this, is, is gamification and using serious play to teach concepts. So I know you you and mm. dan your dandies, your dandy people, you have things like board games in a box. Tell us a little bit more about that. Why do you use these and what benefits do you believe they bring to those you're working with? Oh, playing is a great way to understand things. Mm -hmm. And and to do things i mean it's really serious playing these games that's why it's called serious games uh, but you can you can discover new things and you can learn a lot um and you use scenario-based learning and and you know a lot of good things happening when you do this and the reason why we create them is because we need to help people to understand maybe something more complex some new topic or something around themselves so they were working they're thinking um so we love coming up with these concepts and try them out ourselves and then help our customers to use them and then share them usually uh, with the, everyone. Um, so, and they could come in a digital format, just a paper printout. A lot of times we first start with something super simple, like a, just a printout paper, uh, like we did with maybe what you're referring to, the Agile Ways to Working game, mm -hmm. which started as a, just a paper that you could print out and we created it in different different format from different types of organizations. So one of them was actually a nursing organization. Um, so we helped them to understand how to work uh, with Scrum together, nursing teams. Um, and then we, uh, of course, changed the content of it and published it online for anyone to use. And then we created a digital version where you play a board game online in a digital uh, just setup where you can try different board games, which was just amazing. So we've been doing that and using that online and also share that with everyone during the pandemic. And then now we're creating an in-box version, which is mm -hmm. just a, a real board game. Then it feels like it at least. I mean, a board game is a different thing. This is a serious board game. Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
Amazing. Well, I love how you're using games, you know, something that people enjoy, a bit of, a bit of fun to teach concepts. And I love how you're mm-hmm. contextualizing it for the environment as well. So it's not just a one size fits all approach. It's, well, it's, it's customized to this industry, nursing teams or otherwise. I think one of my, my favorite quotes mm-hmm. when it comes to games, I use it all the time. It's, uh, tell me and I'll forget, teach me and I'll remember, engage me and I'll learn. And this is why I love using mm. games myself to engage people to teach concepts, whether that's me creating an agile escape room to introduce agility and they've got to escape the room within, within an hour, but learn about agile along the way, or whether it's using yeah. uh, agile games like outcomes versus outputs or battleships or whatever it may be just to teach a concept. I find if people are enjoying themselves they're, and they're engaged in the process, they're more likely to learn as opposed mm. to I guess, some of the traditional learning styles or teaching styles which is as you know quite quite slide heavy or powerpoint heavy or here's your content you're being presented at yeah. doing it through game telling yes telling yeah involving people and making it interactive i tend to find it it resonates mm-hmm. it sticks a little bit more yeah it also stays within you know kind of the body the experience mm-hmm. that you get from actually playing and doing something and you can learn so much faster um so yeah it's really it's really fun to to do them and create them and also run them i mean tell tell us more do you have any more any stories that you could share about the use of i guess these these serious games and and maybe some of the light bulb moments that it's resulted in or or, has has it resulted in great outcomes for those you work with i would say in the nursing organization i thought that was one of the most amazing things that we played this uh we're working game with them for around 30 minutes and then we had you know uh, a wrap up and you know what does this mean for us and then we started to coach them in smaller teams to use this and they just instantly got it and they put the the actual game on the wall that was their template for their uh, scrum board Mm -hmm. um and then they they could actually remember what to do continuously based on what they did in the game which is just, you know, kind of a one-hour training. Mm. And then you have three new nursing teams using Scrum. Um, and that, you know, that created a lot of benefits with them actually starting to work as teams, mm. taking care of things together, um, delivering value con- continuously, just changing uh, not th- their actual operations, but their actual uh, organization around it. So constantly increasing the value in the organization, which usually used to come like every six months from the mm. head office. Now you failed on these things. Uh, you know, this is what you need to do about it. Now they constantly adapted the organization and how they deliver value uh, for their customers, which was just something totally different. And also all the personal conflicts that they had in between the different people with, that was not working as teams before also disappeared. So just seeing those things, what happens when you come together as a team, when you actually take responsibility and you, you feel this... Um, proudness as an individual doing a great work and as a team I think that's just amazing and having it yeah having it you know having it happen in in such a that type of organization is just amazing I was just going to reflect on that thank you for sharing that story it's a great example of how agile principles values mindsets things like scrum can be very applicable in Mm -hmm. what you would consider a very non-traditional agile environment you know I, I wouldn't have thought of using scrum for example in a, in a nursing team but absolutely if you if you if you come back to the the principles and values that the agile help bring about building in fast mm-hmm. feedback loops everyone aligned around what your your goal and priority is 
you know, the ability to pivot on a daily basis, shortening those feedback loops so you're learning and altering your trajectory based on what you learn. It can absolutely, for me, can apply in any environment. It doesn't matter if it's software or otherwise, they are still relevant. And yeah. I think it's a great story there that you've yeah. shared where it can be in a very non-traditional environment. So thanks for sharing that story. So there's another game that I was very keen to speak with you about. And hands over your ears, folks, it's called the biggest fuck-ups game. And <laughs> what I love about this <laughs> is that for anyone's awareness, the, se- the next season of this podcast, uh, season four, is all about destigmatizing failure. And this is like a beautiful segue into season four because that is what the, 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 that, that game is all about, right? It's about destigmatizing failure. It's okay to fail. Failure is a learning opportunity, not yeah. a negative thing. So, Mia, tell me more about this game. Oh, yeah. It's one of the, the new ones that we have, the newest, I would say. Um, and we were creating a training for leaders in how to how to create high-performing teams and high-performing organizations that support high-performing teams. In, a, in an organization where we had 60 leaders, so we're going to do like three cohorts of trainings, and then we needed to create materials for them. And we wanted to work with such psychological safety, of course, mm-hmm. but we didn't really have any any material that we felt was experience-based and fun enough. So that's where when we came up with the idea for this great game. And I just read this article that was hilarious, which had the same title. I was like, this is such a great inspiration. We need to do something about it. So the mm-hmm. next day, we just started to sketch. And then, yeah, what are the things we want to have in this? I saw this wheel, uh, you know, how it's going to look in my head. So we just started to draw it and then, you know, fill out what are the content that we want to have. So I think it took like half a day, maybe maximum four hours to create it. And then we tested it ourselves on, on the Dana conference. We had just a, a couple of weeks after. And it's like, it really made us talk, mm-hmm. made us share stories. Which is, I mean, that's that's what it's all about, to share, you know, the learnings, the stories, the failures that we have as individuals with each other. And then a couple of weeks after, a month after, or something like that, before we did the actual training, um, we also had um, uh, a meetup and then the people where people come came physically um, to try it. And it was also like this amazing experience because people that, that did this, they didn't know each other. They were sitting in groups, of course, playing four and four around the table. And you take turns to share your stories, depending on, on which topic you're interested in. So it's divided in, I think it's maybe eight or nine topics or something like that, which are all connected to to, to science and research. So there's lots of, uh, of research around each topic, how they actually impact psychological safety. Um, and once they had done this and shared their stories within the small groups, when they were going away, they were hugging each other. They were hugging us. It's like, I've never felt this good about sharing about my failures. I had no idea everyone else had done pretty much the same thing. Uh, So they created a super safe environment and space within that group and felt that, oh, this really helped me grow and feel safe. And that for me, that's what it's all about. And as leaders, of course, we need to do that with the people we work with, but also with the people in the organization. So that's we've developed it based on the need that we saw and then tried it out ourselves and thought okay this is actually working and we also wanted you know kind of the fun name like you say yeah <laughs> do, do we really dare to do this and of course yes we did <laughs> you did and it sounds like it's it's paid off i'd love to see how that game works sometime i might have to 
get a meetup running and, and ask you to come along, dandy people to come and share the game. It reminds me of uh, there is a there is a team of people, um, Cozy Juicy Real, Jed and Sophia, who created a very similar. It's not necessarily focused on fuck ups, but it's about sharing vulnerable stories with one another and the team building that that can cause. As you said, like people are almost cathartically energized afterwards because they've shared things that haven't gone quite well and that, that recognize that that's okay. Um, so here's a question mm -hmm. to you then. In the interest of environments of psychological safety, in the interest of being a leader and being vulnerable as a leader, given that season four of the show is about failure, and I know this is season three, that's okay. Do you have an example or a story of your own failure that you wouldn't mind sharing with the community and what you've learned from it? Oh, yeah, I actually have been working on a blog post on, on Dandy People uh, turning five. And I wrote about a couple of mistakes and failures that I did, <laughs> I would say, uh, starting Dandy. And one of the things was uh, creating a, a salary model, which was uh, individual, which goes against everything I know. But I felt, oh, this is what's what's going to be needed. Otherwise, people would not, you know, want to join Dandy because I I thought that everyone else had a lot of need for safety, which mm -hmm. I don't. So I, I tried to create something based on what I believed that everyone else were interested in, uh, which just showed really quickly that the the individual salary model did not help people to collaborate, did not help people to to solve you know, customer problems in the best way, innovate together, none of the things that I were interested in. So we failed quite quickly. And after around a year, I would say, we had to change the salary model to a team-based model. Okay. So that's what we have now. So that helps people to collaborate and, and you know, not care about who's getting paid the most um, because we all get an equal salary always, depending on the invoicing we do. We do. Um, but I've, I felt that that was a big failure. Maybe not. I mean, it wasn't really a failure in that sense, maybe. But it was going against my principles, my values, what I believe in. I still did it because I thought that would be the only way to attract people. And actually, people uh, left Dandy when I changed the model. So it, it was a pretty big fuck up, I would say, uh, especially for someone like me. Mm. Mm. Well, I think one of the things I've increasingly learned over the years is that it's never a one size fits all situation and you can't possibly create something that makes everyone perfectly happy because we are individuals with unique desires and interests and ways of wanting things and doing things. And we have different environments and constraints we're living with and otherwise. So you can't always just standardize and, and make everyone happy, but you've shared a failure and thank you for that. I will share one of mine. It's only fair. So once upon a time, I used to describe mm -hmm. myself as an agile evangelist. I actually wrote a, a blog post about this recently. And I would go into a new client situation and I would think, oh, I've seen this work before. This is going to work for you as well. And what I wasn't doing was taking into account the people, the context, the situation, the culture there. And I was just saying, I've seen something work. It will work for you too, regardless of the situation. So I would go in with a solution in mind rather than tailoring the approach based on what I learned about their specific situation. Nowadays, I would describe myself more as an agile pragmatist. So not, not a solutionist, not an evangelist. Agile may very much help many companies get where they need to be. But honestly, agile isn't the journey. It's not the outcome. It's that you know, there are results that people are looking for, that companies are seeking, outcomes they're moving towards. Agile will absolutely help them get there because it builds in the feedback loops and the mindset and behaviors. But it isn't a one-size-fits-all situation. And actually, sometimes waterfall may very fit 
in a, in a specific mm. situation and that's okay it's not an us versus them sort of approach so that's that's one of my failings mm. thank you and that's I, I think that's a failure that many people can relate to mm. uh, being early on in the journey you want to be you know you want to be the good guy and give solutions <laughs> yeah absolutely mm. So another thing I was keen to speak with you about, uh, I guess Dandy have recently shared, I think it was one of your Dandy people, has shared a, a new model uh, for, for what you've described as leveraging the brain, brain power of an organization or a collective group. I believe it's called the grow slash plow model. Tell me more about the model, please. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, and that's actually a model that came from Carrie Kelly, which is a Dandy. Uh, so I haven't created it. I haven't worked with it. I know just as much as you do reading the blog post. <laughs> she's a super smart woman. <laughs> she's she's very skilled in so many things that I'm not. So I think you should have invited her if you want to talk more about it. There we go. I, I don't really know much more than actually okay. what's in the post. Well, that, that segues nicely into one of the other questions, which is around given the, the, the theme of this podcast is about amplifying newer voices, uh, so who do you think is doing some great work out, work out there that I should ask to be on the show? Whose voice should be heard? It sounds like Kerry as an example, but is there anyone else Kerry, I should reach yeah. out to, to to have as a guest on the show? Oh, that's a difficult one. Um, I just met with Simon Powers. Uh, he was here in Stockholm running his uh, one of his trainings and we had really nice conversations about starting and running uh, Agile organizations, which was so interesting to me. So if you haven't met with him, he might be a good candidate. So Simon has actually trained me twice now uh, in IC Agile. I was on his uh, Enterprise Agile Coaching Bootcamp uh, a few months ago. And I've also had him on the guest uh, as a show, a a guest on the show already. We talked about enterprise agility as he's uh, a bit of at the forefront of that. So definitely already had Simon in the show. Great guest. It was great speaking to him about his his learnings there. Wonderful. What else would you like to talk about? Any any particular hot topics for you right now? Open forum, world's your oyster. Oh, hot topics for me. Oh, I don't know. Um, I, I'm a bit interested in what you're doing, Chris, because I know you're uh, you're super good at retrospectives and. Uh, mm-hmm finding different ways to 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 find angles to 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 maybe make them more interesting so um how many of those have you made and and what have you learned i think i think i've lost count now uh the number of retrospectives is probably well i guess it began as retrospectives but i'm increasingly looking at it being templates or experiences so i'm thinking of less of just a, Mm. a retro and more of a how can i make an engaging interactive immersive experience for those involved. I think in total, the templates must be in the 70 to 80 range. And that's across mm. uh, canvases for transformations or, or, or goals or agile games or retrospectives. But it, it very much just began years and years ago when I was acting as a scrum master. And I was thinking, right, I've got to do another retrospective. How can I make sure this is going to be the best session yet? And I just remember that the, the options out there were very limited. It was, you know, the traditional start, stop, continue. There might have been a sailboat or a hot air balloon. And I once saw the Elvis retrospective. And I thought, oh, that's great. That's interesting. And that inspired me because that was the king of retrospectives to create the queen of retrospectives. So queen, the rock band. And I began mm. creating retros from there. And a bit like you, I began sharing them on LinkedIn and they just exploded. And I thought, well, clearly there's demand for this. Clearly people like this. I'm going to do more of it. 
So it's now become a bit mm. of a thing. I, I use my creative energies to create new experiences, whether that's a retrospective, a template, or even a town hall to hundreds of people with a snow day theme, where I'm actually wearing a full-on skiing gear, including the helmet and goggles, while I'm presenting this town hall, just to make it a bit more more interesting. So that's, I guess that's the, the so genesis of it for me, yeah. Because I do yeah. firmly believe that work work can be fun with a little bit of creativity. And I've been doing uh, a number of... It yeah, should it shouldn't be. I, I know it's one of the, uh, almost one of the, the values that the dandy people has is about being fun and engaging in the workplace. So we definitely resonate there. Yeah, I've been giving a few talks on how to create engaging retrospectives. So kind of sharing my learnings um, and there's lots there. And there's also a, a talk I give, which is called 50 Shades of Retrospective, which will also be the topic of a book I'm writing. And that's all my top tips and strategies for continuous improvement, not just retrospective, but continuous improvement. And there are all sorts in there from creating the environment for continuous improvement all the way to how to facilitate a, a, a retrospective or a meeting that you're looking to continuously improve to formats. So I've got loads of formats, lots of templates out there and how to finish up, how to actually turn that conversation, those insights you're gathering into actionable things that the team can do differently that result in improvement. And I've been saying for a little while now that uh, the key to agility for me is continuous improvement and the key to continuous improvement is retrospection. If you're not pausing as a yeah. team or organization to reflect on how things are going and how they could be better, then you're not going to be continuously improving. Odds are you're going to be frustrated with the same things happening over and over. And that's always key. If, if you want to, to become agile in some way or have the agility, you should really start with improvement. Mm. And another thing I, I, I've got on my, one, of my, one of my tips for, I guess, retrospection and continuous improvement is that as an agile coach, you shouldn't just be encouraging others to continuous improve. You've also got to turn that mirror inwardsly and do that yourself. So I, I practice what I call yeah. solo spection. It's like a retrospective for one where on a weekly basis, I'm noting down what went well this week. What value did I bring? What could I do better next week? What one improvement could I bring about for the teams or organizations that I work with? I think it's quite powerful to do that exercise yourself. We can't, we've got to practice what we preach as well. If we're asking teams to reflect, we should also be doing so ourselves. Mm. And as an individual, what can I work on myself? Maybe change, listen more or act in a different way. And there's so many things we can do with just thinking about what we can improve. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't Thank agree you. More. Right. So, so Mia, it's time to add something new to my backlog. You mentioned how I've got all these templates I've been creating. I ask every guest on the show to add something brand new to my backlog. And the, again, the world is your oyster here. Think of anything. It doesn't have to be a retrospective. But you could you could challenge me to try and bring a bit of fun to another traditional agile ceremony. But just, yeah, add something new and I'll I'll come up with something and see what I can create. Add something new. Oh, I don't know. We talked about leadership, which is, okay. was one of your favorite posters. Uh, could you do something there? We also work with creating cross-functional leadership teams. Could mm -hmm. there be anything specific that they would be interested in? Okay. Um, so we're talking yeah. a, a, a retrospective designs, perhaps towards leadership. Yeah. I mean, if they would feel that it appeals to them, uh, it makes them better. Um, I think then the whole organization would benefit a lot. I agree. All right. I will Something add that. I'll add that to the backlog. That's that's going on there. 
alongside a number of the others that I've got to get around to. I've still got uh, Martin Dalmin. He's appearing on the show next week. I've still got to do a Gremlins theme retrospective for him, although that feels more Christmas appropriate. <laughs> I've got to do a, a Peru themed retrospective for another guest. I've got the International Bat Appreciation uh, International Bat Appreciation Day from Tobias Mayer. I think Lisa Atkins, I still want to do her gardening theme retrospective. So there's a number of things on there. Backlog's growing. I've got to manage my own work in progress a little bit. A little bit. Oh, you do. <laughs> and I actually do have a, a question for you, Chris. Yeah, go for it. If you could ask anything, what would you like us, Dandies, to, to bring to you? Oh, now there's a question. There is a question. So I love the visuals. I'm trying to think of a, a topic that I think could do with a really good visual around. Uh, so one one that I, I've seen some other examples of posters about is specifically breaking work down into smaller pieces, you know, chunks and otherwise. Mm-hmm. Um, in a really simple way, a poster that would articulate the techniques, approaches, um, what people are looking for to take large bits of work and turn them into smaller navigatable chunks that add value incrementally. If there was a, a nice, simple visual that showed that, I think that would add a lot of value to people. Good one. Go. We've, yeah, we've, done a, very... we've done a trade now. Yeah, good. <laughs> we have. Excellent. <laughs> it's a win-win too. It's a win-win. Brilliant. So uh, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners, Mir, about yourself, about Dandy or otherwise? Oh, I don't know, but reach out if there's anything we can do for you. Um, please do. Wonderful. So we're always looking for any guests, any new guests to appear on the show. So do reach out if you'd like to be involved. We have a growing Slack community of practice. So grab the invite link from www.thevirtualagilecoach.co.uk if you'd like to be involved. And otherwise, as always, folks, don't stop believing. You've just listened to another episode of the Virtually Agile podcast. Don't forget to check out www.thevirtualagilecoach.co.uk for one of the largest collections of free templates on the web on all things Agile. If this show provided value, I'd love your support by following or subscribing on your platform of choice. See you folks next time.